Welcome back to Coaches on a Mission. I am your host, Dallas Travers. This is episode number six of eight in our first ever special What to Do Instead series. So today, we're diving into a topic that might just make your palms sweat a little bit less, hopefully, and that is low-stress launches. Now, if you haven't yet hit that subscribe or follow button, let's change that, shall we? There's a whole lot of calm, cool, and collected launching wisdom coming your way, and you're not going to want to miss a beat. Launching. Just the word might send shivers down your spine, right? It's often a whirlwind of do this, not that, and stress levels that would give your high school exams maybe a run for their money. But what if I told you there's another way? A less hair-pulling, more high-fiving approach to getting your digital products and courses out into the world. That is exactly what we're tackling inside of this very episode. So before we roll up our sleeves, here's a simple action that takes way less effort than launching. (laughs) And that's to head on over to dallastravers.com forward slash WTDI. That's dallastravers.com forward slash WTDI. When you're there, I want you to grab your bonus companion magazine called, of course, what to do instead. It is chock full of free tools from every one of our contributors to this series. Plus, we've turned their interviews into articles, making it really, really simple and valuable for you to just be able to implement what you're learning, okay? All right, so remember that every new subscriber adds another dollar to our donation pot for the Athea Center. This is a trailblazing organization that's standing strong for the rights and well-being of black women and girls in North Texas, and they've been doing it for 15 plus years. So by grabbing the What to Do Instead magazine at dallastravers.com forward slash WTDI, you're not only upping your launch game, you're supporting a really important cause. Let's take the UG out of launching and replace it with ah, a sigh of relief. If you're ready, I'm ready to redefine your launch lexicon. Here are my guests who are going to help you do just that. Chelsea Wallace is going to really debunk the hustle hard myth and give you a solution to launches that drain you. Christina Torres is going to grab that baton and run through the finish line, helping you ditch the launch drama and helping you also assess whether or not you're launch ready. What I love about Christina's interview is that she makes such a strong case for gathering data all the time and having sales conversations all the time so that your launches feel like a bonus rather than something that your business and your life depend on. We'll wrap it up today with Anne-Marie Rose. This is so juicy. Anne-Marie is going to give you three reasons why you should ditch traditional webinars and instead deliver high-impact workshops. So whether you've launched dozens of times or your very first launch is on the horizon next year, these guests are going to save you tons of time and a whole lot of headaches. Let's get into some low-stress launching. My name is Chelsea Wallace, also known as the Launch Copy Coach around the interwebs. I help coaches and course creators to break through being the bottleneck of their launches so that they can create high dollar launch results while staying in their creative genius 
and not draining their mental and emotional bandwidth, not sacrificing their peace for the sake of profit, not doing things like, you know, giving up on their self-care and like never seeing their kids or their partners during launch time, not losing sleep, not giving up the things that fulfill them and refill their cups for the sake of a launch. Because I don't believe that you have to do that. I'm all about anti-hustle launching over here. And so the framework and the methodologies that I use with my clients are based in objective business data and subjective personal experience so that they can preserve and grow their launch revenue without burnout and still enjoy their lives all at the same time. And so one outdated practice that coaches need to ditch right away is launches that are full of hustle and grind and like sacrificing all the things that we don't want to sacrifice, but feel like we should or feel like we have to for the sake of creating and hitting or launch goals, creating, I don't know, high five-figure, six-figure launch revenue. You don't have to engage in that if you do not want it. There are ways to design your launch in really using frameworks that feel good, that feel supportive, and still get you to where you want to go. Let me share why we all need to let go of this practice because the consequences that we face as a result of this practice, the cost that we pay is bigger than we realize because so many of us are coaches with maybe one person on our team or VA or admin assistant or executive assistant. And we are doing so much to get a result that we cannot sustain. Half the time, we don't even get the result we want. The other time, the other half of the time, we get the result and we can't even enjoy it because we're so burned out. And you had best believe that shows up in the ways that we connect with our audience because, hello, how many times have you launched and then ghosted for the next month, two months, three months, (laughs) right? Your audience suffers or rather your connection with your audience suffers from that lack of presence, from that lack of actually continuing to build trust over time, actually showing up and being visible with them. You almost have to rebuild that connection from scratch every single time as you get into this cycle of launching, burning out, disappearing to recover from that burnout and then launching again, right? You have to rebuild that connection. And as a result of that, your launch productivity is actually lower because you are not creating and building momentum over time. You're almost starting from scratch every single time. So instead of being ahead, instead of having to just run with the connection that you've already nurtured over time, you now have to rebuild that connection and then do everything that you're supposed to do to get the launch off the ground unnecessary, right? So it stifles your launch productivity. It affects your connection with your audience. And just personally, you suffer. You suffer as a human being. (laughs) All of the things that you as a human being get refilled by, feel supported by, feel nurtured by, and just your most optimal ways of functioning in the world, what you personally need to function in those ways, When you don't give yourself those things and quote unquote push through and just try to run the launch anyway, you are doing yourself more harm than good. 
it burns you out, exhausts you. And if you've ever run a launch and thought to yourself, launches are exhausting, if you've ever said that, if you've ever agreed with that sentence, you're not doing launching the way that you could be doing launching. You're not doing launching in a way that fully supports you and fully supports your audience. And you're not doing launching in a way that actually can feel good, feel like a lush and luxuriating experience, feel like, oh my goodness, I would want to launch all the time because it's so it's so fulfilling for me. That's possible for you. And so I think that we should let go of this practice of hustle-filled, grinding, sacrificing launches because we the cost that we have to pay to execute and run those launches is just way too high and it's actually unnecessary. Before I take you through the steps, let me introduce what you can do instead. All right, we're talking three things here. One, database decisions. So this is all related to the strategy and messaging of your launch, planning ahead, and then aligning your energetic and emotional capacity with the strategy and messaging. Now I'll take you through each step. So first things first, database decisions or database decision-making. This is all about the strategy and the messaging that you're using in your launches. And when we talk about this, this is the part that people kind of tackle because they do take care of the strategy and the messaging. You know, they decide, okay, I want to do a challenge or I want to do masterclass, webinar, workshop, whatever you want to call it. Or I want to do a pre-recorded video series or something like that. They decide the launch event they want to do. And then they decide, let's say, how long they want the doors to be open for. So like there's some common decisions that most coaches make when they are launching. The thing is though, more often than not, we're making those decisions based on what we feel like we want to do or based on what we see may have worked for some other expert slash guru in our space. But we're not making those decisions based on the data in our businesses. So we're not looking at what events actually create conversions We're not looking at, in terms of messaging, what we said that people heard that created conversions, meaning people took the next step of action, whether that was signing up to your email list, signing up for a previous event that you did, purchasing your offer, right? Like they're taking the next step, clicking through an email. All of these things are conversions on a small scale with ultimately the sale being the biggest conversion. And we could even go after that to talk about actually finishing your offer or program, your coaching program as like another kind of conversion. But my point is, it's not often that we make the effort to look at what the data, the numbers are saying in our businesses and use that information to lead us into a direction in terms of strategy. So let's say you did a webinar before now, and now you're thinking about doing a challenge. You've never done a challenge before, right? So you want to try out a challenge. It sounds fun. You have a fun idea. You're really excited, but you haven't gone back to look at how the webinar converted. What was the registration rate? What was the show up rate? What percentage of people who attended the webinar actually ended up purchasing by the end of the launch? How many people purchased right after the webinar, let's say in the first 72 hours? We haven't gone back to answer those questions. And those are all data-based questions that you can use to inform 
whether or not you do the challenge, right? Because you might decide, okay, if the webinar registration rate was 50% and the show up rate was like 75% and like 50% of the people who actually purchased during the doors open period, like watch that webinar. And within the first 72 hours, at least of that 50% of people, let's say 40% of them purchased. Then we know that webinar converts like gangbusters. So you now get to ask yourself, okay, if we know this webinar is so epic and we know it converts so well, do we still want to run the challenge? Yes or no? And if you say yes, there's nothing wrong with that, right? But you walk into that knowing that your data is going to look very different and you don't know what your data is going to be. So you kind of have to ease off the expectations. If you say, no, you know, I want to do the webinar, then you get to replicate a similar kind of like exceptional conversion rate because those numbers are amazing, right? And so you would never be able to make that decision and kind of from a place of confidence and, and groundedness and settledness without the panic, without the, oh my goodness, I wonder if this is going to work. Is this going to actually create sales? Am I going to see the results that I want? Am I going to hit my launch goals? All those questions kind of trickle down to like the lowest priority of anxiety, if you will. All those kinds of concerns that come with those questions, the anxieties that come with those questions kind of fade away because the data has already told you, yeah, this is probably going to work the way I expect it to work, right? I have a higher likelihood of seeing success and hitting my goals from this versus if I went another way that I don't have any data for. And like I said, you can make either choice, but you make either choice with a lot more confidence. It's the same thing with your messaging, right? Like Because that data also informs you that the messaging in that webinar worked really well, whatever you said. So maybe you still do the challenge, right? But maybe you take the messaging from that webinar into the challenge. So you break up, let's say you taught three things on the webinar, you're doing a five-day challenge. Day one, two, and three are literally the three things that you taught in the webinar. Maybe you add in an extra thing on day four, and then you pitch on day five, right? Like, And that's your five-day challenge done. So you pull the messaging from the webinar, you put it into a new format, you know the messaging is likely to create results, right? But then you're testing out this new event type. You're testing out this new launch event, which is the, the challenge, right? So the database decision-making really gives you the confidence and the settledness and the freedom that we are all looking for in launches. It takes the pressure off in so many ways because now you're not pushing through and hustling and, and burning yourself out in addition to all of the concerns and anxieties that you have about the launch, quote unquote, working right? So look at the numbers, look at the data. I gave you like three or four questions to ask just now when you're analyzing your data, actually go back and look at the last launch you did, look at your launch event, ask those questions. So that's the first thing. The second thing is planning ahead. All right. A lot of us make the decision to launch one month before we're actually ready to launch or a couple weeks before we're actually ready to launch. When I work with my clients, we do a three month launch runway. And the reason for this is one, it gives us enough time to actually implement a pre-launch. Two, we can go as slow as we want and we make time, three, for life doing the most because life will always life. That is something that you can always count on. 
in a launch. Life will always be life in. Life will do the absolute most. You, your, your kid will get sick. Your partner will get fired. Your, somebody in your family will like get hospitalized. God forbid, right? Like we don't want any of these things to happen, but they do. Launches are like <laughs> the place that life chooses to show up in the most unexpected, gut-wrenching ways. And so we want to have time and space to accommodate life doing the most. So your kid is not sick and you're over here trying to finish up writing this email instead of being with your kid. You get to be with your child, (laughs) right? Because you can push things back a little bit because you have some time and space. And then you get to be done early with all of the launch stuff. It's all done. So all you have to do now is just show up and have fun and connect with your people. You don't have to spend time writing all these emails while you're trying to create the slide deck for your webinar, while you're trying to do your live streams to promote your webinar. Why? No. (laughs) Give yourself, I recommend three months. Give yourself 90 days to plan for the launch, to outline all the steps that need to happen, and to execute all of those as much pre-planning as possible. So you can walk into the launch free as a bird. (laughs) skipping through the sunflower fields, right? Like that is how I want you to walk into your launch. You should be able to take days off, sleep in however you want to sleep in, walk to the cafe and get your favorite coffee and not have to worry about the fact that, oh, I have this much emails, this many emails to finish. So I can't actually leave my house and I can't shop for groceries and my pet can't take a walk because I can't take them. Like that's not okay. Plan ahead. Give yourself three months. (laughs) And then the final piece, aligning your energetic and emotional capacity and bandwidth with the strategy, with the messaging, with the timeline. Because here's the thing. If you in life have a lot going on at the same time as your launch, plan for, right? Let's say you have a friend's wedding or you're giving birth. I have, I've worked with several clients before who were giving birth like one month before their launch or a couple weeks before their launch. And so they have this newborn baby and then their launch is right after that. Now, of course they could have decided let's not do that. They didn't make that decision and that's fine because we can work around those things. And so when you have big events that you know are going to be emotionally engaging, that you know, it might not even be taxing, but it is taking emotional and mental energy from you to show up and be there for those events in your life that have already been planned, in your business that have already been planned. Like say, for example, you know all of your clients have this big coaching call and you know it's gonna be hard for them and that's happening like, two days before you do your webinar. And you, so, you know, you have to hold space for them again, like these big things. And they might not even like sound big to you, but the word big here, we're using it to describe how much emotion, emotional and mental energy is this going to take for you to be fully present in those moments. And if we know that, then we can say, okay, If two days before my webinar, I'm going to have a really big emotional and mentally energetic thing going on, then I know I have to take that whole next day to fully treat myself, give myself what I need, recover so that I can then do my webinar on the following day, which means 
I can't have any kind of launch event happening in that three-day time span besides the webinar on the third day, right? So I would not schedule a last-minute live. In, if you are my client, I wouldn't schedule a last-minute live in our calendar because we know you're going to have this massive coaching call, then a live stream, then the webinar. That's a whole lot. Let's not. Let's take the day have you recover so you can come to the webinar full and ready to show up and be present. It's the same kind of assessment that you have to do for the entire 12 weeks of this launch, right? So in the first month, you're, you're making your database decisions, you're assessing strategy, messaging, making, deciding what you're going to do. The second month, you're planning ahead, you're executing, you're, you're getting everything done. The third month, you are actually running the launch and throughout that entire time, month one, month two, month three, you are fully aligning your energetic and emotional capacity and bandwidth with everything that you're doing. And this is for planned events, planned stuff that you have in your life and in your business and unplanned things, right? Like it might come up, you you might have a really big like conversation with your partner. And that was emotionally and energetically draining. Well, draining might not be the right word because it might not be that the conversation was bad, but it took a lot of emotion and energy and mental space for you to show up in that conversation. If you now just assume, okay, I can just run the launch the way I've been running the launch. You are now, if you were at 10, you're operating now at a five, right? And then you have to do the webinar that drops you down to a two. And then you have to write emails. Now you're at like a negative. You're burnt out. You're done. But you keep pushing. And this is why we have these kind of burnout recovery start from scratch cycles that I talked about is because we actually don't take the time to align our capacity with what's happening throughout the launch. We don't even give ourselves the time to fully move through the launch with grace and ease and luxury and give ourselves all the beautiful things that we need to function in an optimal way that feels good to us. And so that's what I would suggest for you. And this is what you can do instead of hustling, grinding, pushing through your launches is taking the time to let the data inform your decisions, look at the numbers and use those numbers to make the decisions about what will best create the results that you're looking for, what will best get you to your outcome. So you can approach this with a lot more confidence and groundedness and less anxiety. Thing number two, plan ahead because something will always happen. Give yourself three months. Thing number three, really start to look at the planned events you have on your calendar for your life and your business and your relationships. Start to look at, okay, if something comes up, what's my plan? What am I going to do? How can I align my capacity in those moments with what's going on so I can give myself what I need to continue to show up in the ways that I want to and need to, to create the results I'm looking for for this launch? Here's what's possible when coaches use my synergy launch method. And that's what I just broke down for you. Those three pillars are the literal groundwork and foundations that I use with every single launch client where we create high five figure, six figure launch results. This is how we work. Okay. This is what's possible when you use the synergy launch method. You have a launch that feels good, that feels freeing, that feels like a lush and luxurious experience. You have a launch that you walk into confidently 
and you have a launch that actually moves your business forward and fully serves your audience and gives you what you need to show up and fully serve your audience. That is what we want to create. So if you take nothing else away from this episode, know that a feel-good, freeing, luxurious, lush launch is possible for you. A launch that creates the ultimate results that you desire in terms of sales and doesn't require you to sacrifice yourself, sacrifice the things that fill you, sacrifice time with your family, sacrifice the time with people you love in order to create that result. Hey everyone, my name is Christina Torres. I am a conversion copywriter, a conversational copywriter, and a launch copy and sales copy strategist. And today we are going to get into knowing when we're launch ready and what we can be leveraging that we already have in our launch toolbox to be always launch ready and to launch with data, to launch with ease, and to make it a little more fun and a little less stressful. So let's get into it. One outdated or like super silly practices coaches need to ditch ASAP would be overcomplicating the tech and the assets and all the stuff that goes into launching. Thinking that the launch happens four weeks before open cart, two weeks before open cart, when open cart opens cart. (laughs) It really starts every day, month, years before, okay? We are supposed to be always launch ready. Launches are just pushes. They're just campaigns. They're just, let's get people in the door. And for most coaches and consultants, and even some service providers, we don't need super flashy launches. What we need is to be leveraging the content and copy we know that is already engaging and amazing and already exists in our podcasts and in our Instagrams, in our websites, in our emails, wherever we talk. Even if we don't have a podcast, we've been collaborators, we've had sales calls, that stuff exists. And so making sure we're keeping track of those things, that we have them handy and that we leverage them, those connections and the content to really nail our perfect fit launch. Okay, so it's time to ditch this kind of prepackaged idea of what launching can, should, would, could be, because it's really, A, it's hurting our confidence, it's hurting our creativity, it's making us look really desperate (laughs) in the eyes of our customers and our clients, And it just makes it super stressful. It creates a lot of launch PTSD. And so we're not really excited to launch. And if we're always trying to come up with new and exciting and adopting different ways of launching that really don't serve us or feel good, whether it's for us or for our clients, it leaves a bad taste in everyone's mouth. But if we're always having these conversations, if we're always pointing to our offers and having sales conversations resonating with our perfect fit people, then it shouldn't be an issue because we're collecting data about what works and what doesn't all year round, not only when we launch. And it's easier to tweak messaging and 
positioning if we're always testing it in the market. Doing it at launch time is not the time to do it. You will feel like a huge flop. You will feel like a huge failure. And if it does go off, if it does work, it'll feel like a fluke because you won't really have any clue as to what really worked or what you can change next time or what needs a little facelift if this is the first time you're saying anything at all, right? We want to be able to recreate the launch each time using the same exact thing that we did last time that worked and then just tweaking it, tweaking it each launch. And if you've never automated launch before, you've always done live launching, live launching has always worked for you, great. We're not going to completely scrap it. What we're going to do is take what works from live launching, from the energy to the engaging content, and turn it into a much more automated, much more static, much more almost AI version of you. Okay, so you're probably wondering, all right, well then how do I know if I'm ready to launch? What do I need to have in place? How far in advance should I get all the things? What is really launching? And what's not really launching, right? Because I think at the top of this, I mentioned it's really just a campaign. It's really just a push. It's really just a drive to get people inside your course, inside your group program, inside your one-on-one coaching. But there are things you're doing all year round, whether it's outreaching, whether it's networking, whether it's kind of packaging and figuring out how to make your offer a no-brainer. There are some things you want to like really triple check to make sure you're not launching something that no matter how flashy your Instagram looks, no matter how juicy your emails are, that people actually want the thing that you're launching. That's like 90% (laughs) of launching is finding the market for it. So I have a kind of Cosmo quiz way of figuring out if it's time to launch and that you're ready to launch. So let's get into it. Okay. So now let's get into it. This is going to be really fun. So you want to rate yourself on a scale for each of these areas. There's about six. And so from a scale of one to five, and we'll skip through a few kind of, we'll kind of do low, medium, high, right? So one would be just warming up. Three is on the right track. Five means show-stopping readiness. You are launch ready to the tails. Okay. So our first department is the marketing maven department, right? So let's see where we score there. Are you a one where you're kind of like, market what? Research, huh? There's no competition, please. Are you more three, which is dip my toe in some insights, caught some vibes, but I need more insight. Five, marketing guru. You know your peeps, you know the trends, you know the gaps in the market, and you're always keeping an eye on the competition. Knowledge is power. Okay. So one, you're like, um, what market research? Just running on straight vibes. Number three is dip my toe in some insights, caught some vibes. And three is your marketing guru. You know, your peeps, you know, the trends, you know, the gaps, and you know, your competition. Okay. You got it. Great. Where you are in, like, is your service sizzling? Like, is it like, whoo, hot, everyone needs it. Um, or in your case, is your coaching offer? Where does it fall? And people got to have it. So number one, your offer 
or service is like a mystery box, even you're surprised. (laughs) My offer has a shape, but it's blending in with the crowd. That would be like number three. It's kind of mid. Five, my service is a sparkling diamond. It's unique, it's valuable, and it's very wanted. Part one will kind of help you figure out part two, but if you feel like you're going through all of the bonuses and features and benefits of your coaching offer, and you're like, whoa, who would not want this? Then you're definitely a five. If you're a three and you're feeling a little like, the market's saturated, but I know what's, I feel like I'm blending in. I think I need to dig more into what differentiates me. You're a three. And one is kind of like, you're not feeling it. You're kind of maybe doing what everyone else is doing. It's really doesn't have a calling of its own. You're not even quite sure how you're going to make this work. You just know you want to help people, but your offer could and should be a lot tighter than your one under the service sizzle. Okay. Now let's talk about your pricing, right? Are you a pricing pro? In this case, this is very specific to your offer. And you may have offers that you are scoring a five and a three all through this. You may be launching a new offer. And so things are feeling a little between one and three. And you may have been struggling to sell a newish offer for some time. And you may be feeling like you're in the ones. Know that this is per offer. This has nothing to do with your skill set or your coaching style. This has to do more with how you articulate your offer from pricing to marketing to how you serve people. Okay, great. I just wanted to give that little tidbit before we moved on to pricing. Okay, so do you feel like a price pro? Do you feel like this feels good? How do we know? Well, one is price ain't nothing but a number. Am I right? You're kind of just feeling it out. You don't care. You slap the number on it. Maybe it's an angel number some random angel number. Maybe everyone's charging $4.97 and you're like, "Mm, I'm going to charge that too. But you haven't given much thought to why you're pricing something the way you're pricing it. You got some numbers on the tag. This is for the threes. You compared a few, but it isn't the right fit. Maybe you feel like you're over delivering and therefore undercharging, or maybe you feel like could be an audience situation where you're like, um, I don't think this is who I'm selling to, or I don't think I think the people who really need this or could afford this or who are looking for the solution right now would be willing and has the the money to spend on this problem, this amount of money, but you're not quite sure. So you've got some numbers. You're feeling it. You're feeling it out. Number five, these are for the fives. These are for the people who are ready and steady. My price tag is the perfect mix of gasp and gimme. Research, compared, and client approved right? So you've sold it to a few clients already. Maybe you've been doing more outreach. You've been doing more one-on-one. You've been doing more network marketing. And I don't mean MLM. What I mean is going to your network and be like, Hey, this is a new thing I'm doing. Do you know anyone who needs it? Do you need it? Great. If you have between five to 10 people and people are saying either hell yeah, or they're asking questions and you have an answer to that objection or you have, and then, you know, you say the price and they're like, okay, if you have five to 10 people who really like the pricing, it makes sense. It's more or less somewhere in the middle or maybe on the high end of people who are doing what you're doing, then I would say you're, you're doing, you're doing pretty good. You have a good, cause pricing tells a story. So if the price that you're selling it for, tells people that you're an expert, that people trust you, that people have bought this, 
it makes a huge difference. So where do you rank? You rank in pricing, nothing but a number. Am I right? You completely clueless about whether or not this is priced right. You'd be a one. You got some numbers on the tag. You compared a few, but you're not quite sure it's the right fit. Maybe you're resentful of the price. Maybe you feel like you should give a price increase. Maybe, you know, you've had five or 10 clients and you told yourself last time after those five clients, you were going to raise the price to a more competitive price. Then you would be at a three. Five, you feel really great about the price. Maybe you even ran some profit analysis. Maybe you did some like money forecasting, some financial forecasting. It feels really good. You can pay people with it. You can do all that. You can really commit to making this the best experience at the price you have right now. Then you would be a five. Okay. Promo pop, right? Let's make sure your promo is popping. So what's been your promo for this offer? If your promo is like a one and you're kind of somewhere at a promo is such a future means problem, like we will worry about that when we launch, then you're one. (laughs) You got some promo vibes, like you are sharing it on your Instagram, but maybe you're not emailing as much, right? You probably need more volume and you could probably use being on more channels, right? You could be selling a bit more instead of serving and educating your audience as much, or really just a change of call to action on multiple channels. So let's say you're only on Instagram, but it may make sense for your, you and your audience to be hanging out in LinkedIn. It may make sense for you to be sending emails more. If you have a podcast, you should be promoting it there, whether it's an ads or very specific. Maybe you're answering objections with your topic episodes. Like those are some things that you could really like, oh, well, why am I, why am I not doing that? And that's fine. You know that you should be and you're a three or you're five, your promo paradise, your multi-channel, you're loud as a. loud as AF and you're hitting all the right chords. So that means if your audience is on Instagram, you're doing things on Instagram. If you are inviting people into your wait list, into your email newsletter or whatever, if you're not selling your actual offer, you're inviting people to go in there. You're connecting with people on LinkedIn or you're posting, right? All of this can be fixed with repurposing. So this is not to shade you for not being all the places all at once and everywhere, but If you've been a repurposing queen or king and you have been showing up in the places frequently or infrequently, your podcast or whatever you use to really engage people and get people in, you're doing content creation, you're doing outbound. Maybe you're showing up on other people's podcasts if you don't have one. The idea is that you're talking about your offer and you're talking about the benefits and you're talking about the objections, and you're always, everything, all roads lead to this offer in your content, whether it's through the subscriber wall or out in public, and you're feeling good about it, then you're a five, right? Now, this one doesn't get enough love, right? Like, we're like, okay, we've gotten marketing, we've got pricing, we've got promotion, content, or ads, or whatever promotion means for you. What's your operations like? Because... It's one thing to have a giant launch or just have a launch in general and then have everything fall apart when people get onto the other side. So we want to make sure our operations are operationing. So this is number five. And so we want to see how you feel about that. You're a one if you're like, operations who? I'm literally the only captain of the ship. <laughs> and that also means I'm just straight vibing and surviving. I don't have a lot of things documented. We don't really have a standard for launching. When people ask questions, we don't really have FAQs that we can just pull all off the bat. We're really just 
We're really just going with the flow. And sometimes that means we're getting slapped up. (laughs) And sometimes it means we're feeling great. But either way, you don't really have an ops plan for this offer. You've got number three would be you got, you know, remember we're rating from one to five. One being like, ooh, not so hot. (laughs) Three being like, hmm, got some things to work on. And five means like spotlight ready. So you got some plans. This is for my threes. You got some plans. You got some processes. But there are gaps for show. Maybe you have a launch standard or a launch SOP. It could be a little bit more robust, but it's just enough to get you to where you're going, right? It's just, this is the bare minimum. We have to at least get done. Maybe you have you another OBM. You have another VA, or maybe if you solo all year round and then around launch time, you hire some contractors to help things. You have as much as your launch documented as possible. You know how people flow in and out of your launch. You have customer journeys or life cycles, like you're really getting more and more prepared and not kind of running around with a chicken without a head. Chicken without a head? I don't know. I feel like I said that weird, but you know what I mean. Or you're a five and you're operationally flawless. You could literally eat off your SOPs. Like it's a very clear what we do when our MVP launching We know exactly what works, whether it's been live or evergreen or launch style. You know exactly what to say, when to say it. You know exactly when every email goes out. Yeah, you know whose role, who's playing what role. If you're going to do a webinar, you're not going to do a webinar. The thing with having really clear on like how, who's doing what, when's happening, where, what milestones, right? Like you have a real clear launch project plan. What that means is there's room for iteration and there's places in the process that you can be like, okay, next time we're going to do it this way, or next time we're going to do it that way. It's really hard to change things up. Even if you're going to throw it all out, if you're not quite sure what's working and what's not working. And that's what like having your operations for launching really down, whether that means SOPs or larger teams or both, it really helps. And then last, but definitely not least, and I feel like it should be first, but the people's customer love, right? How do you handle customer experience? How do you handle customer satisfaction? How do you handle customer dissatisfaction, right? So I know for me and always, especially as someone who's a service provider, launching is so exhausting. And then you're like, oh my God, I actually got to go do the work. I actually have to go now (laughs) serve the people that I'm going to serve. And I want to make the onboarding, the support and the offboarding as amazing as humanly possible. And even I have some gaps and I am a people pleaser and I've been a project manager and I've worked with CEOs and CMOs and CFOs pretty much all my life. There's always room for improvement. So Let's just get into it. How do you feel about your customer experience or your customer love? How do you feel like you're loving on your people? Um, You're one if you're like, I'll just deal with my fans later. (laughs) Like that is so down the road right now. All I want to worry about is filling up my coffers and getting this launch off the ground. I hear you. I hear you. Three, you got love to give, but is it enough? You know, you're really responsive You do your best to make sure people know what's coming down the pipeline, what's next, if people don't love what's going on, 
if someone needs to change their billing or someone needs just extra support, they know where to go for the most part, whether that's a person or that's a form, whatever. You've got something. My customer love plan is a hug in service form. It's on time, it's firm, it's supportive, and it's there when they need it, right? Do people literally brag about feeling taken care of inside of your, whatever you're doing, your coach container, whether it's one-on-one, whether it's group, whether it's course, do people feel like, whoo, I've never felt so taken care of in my life, right? Do people feel like they're getting time with you or time with the curriculum? Are there places for them to, and encouraged to talk with other people in their, in their groups or talk to other people or maybe do some type of peer coaching or whatever the situation? Do people feel really supported both on the admin and on the actual program promise um, or offer promise? Like, do they feel like, if they went missing, <laughs> that someone would come looking for them, right? Do they feel like they matter? Do they know, do they feel like, you know, people are really, and do they feel like they can trust the group of people? I mean, it's a lot of information. They're not only giving qualitative information, right? They're not only giving you how they feel, what's going on in their business, all that fun stuff, but they also need to, oh, back to the operations, think about contracts and stuff. But anyway, one, three, five. Customer love, if they feel like they can trust you with not only their very important information, emails, their credit cards, all that fun stuff. And customer love also means some boundaries, right? Do people know what to say and what to do there? Are we making it a safe place for people to share, like I said, their most vulnerable information, whether that is how they're doing, how they're feeling, what their business is like, some complications they maybe have in growing and solving and just like completing the program and implementing it in their real life and in real time. But also like if they ever have, if if they're having some billing issues, they know where to go. Do they feel empowered to figure something out if something like that is to happen, right? Do they feel like they're going to be shamed if they can't figure out how to pay something, right? So those things. So if your customer love plan is a hug in a service form, then you probably have all of that tight into your five. If three, you're like, oh, it could be better. We've, we're have we 50% there, but you know what? We're working on it. And if one is like, you have not even given it a thought, you're just really trying to see some money come from developing this offer and you will worry about it later, then it's a one. So you're going to go ahead and figure out where you are on that scale, you're going to add them all up. So if you fall between the 25 and 30 range, your star status, you're ready to rock the launch, right? You have been launch ready all year round. You know what you need to say, or you at least, you may not know what you need to say, but you already have what you need to launch. It exists. It's there, right? And you have a launch SOP. Really right now, this is about refining and it's about always improving. And if you're anything like me, you're customer obsessed. So you just are always trying to find ways to make your program and experience or your container better, right? 1924, you're so close. You just need to polish some of these edges and you'll shine. There's no doubt that you're on your way to being super, super launch ready. And you don't necessarily need to wait until you're 25 to 30 to launch, but I'd say go ahead. You're super close. Keep an eye on those things that you have gaps on. You can even work on them simultaneously. As you're launching, 
uh, my recommendation, if you're not, if you're in that zone, if you're in 19 to 24, and we'll talk about 13 to 18, which is opening act vibes, right? You're almost about to be Beyonce. So you want to, this is the time to start collecting data. This is time to start really when you should be doing it beforehand, but you should really now be asking people, especially around those gaps, what they would like to see, what they would need to do. If you have people on your team or, you know, having them research um, and going back and figuring out what works, what didn't work and what we can do better this launch around, you're always launching. Literally, as soon as you finish a launch, you're already on to debriefing and doing a retrospective and planning the next launch. It's better to do it while it's fresh. And so, yeah, you're, you're, you're good. You're, you're super close and you can launch now, but just pay attention to those things. You have opening act vibes if you're 13 to 18, which it means it's time to revamp the set list, which means we have to maybe do a, a little bit of an overhaul, not necessarily just with our launching, but with our foundations. What are our content on our platforms look like? What does our landing mag, our, our lead magnet, excuse me, lead magnet look like? What does our welcome sequence look like? If you're like, I don't really email as often, or I don't really have a welcome sequence, or I don't really have, you know, I kind of feel like each part of where people get in contact with me has changed at different times and different places. So things feel a little disjointed then, but you have stuff out there. You have clients you've been working with. It's now about getting your messaging really clear, your offer really clear. And then if you're set anywhere from one to 12, it's probably time for a makeover in most of those areas, or it's back to the drawing board, right? So what does that even, what does any of that and all of that mean, right? Like, what does it really matter? So you want to just make sure that you're, if you're marketing, you know, making sure your market understanding is really clear, you're doing market research always, you can do voice of customer data, you're paying attention to how people engage with your content. This is why you need the content. This is why you need the sales content. This is also why you need the education and engagement contact to see what people are saying and doing out in the wild, you know, do a little competitor creep and see what people are complaining about over there. So you can really differentiate yourself. Are you clearly defining what your offer is and to who it's for and why it's valuable, right? Are you giving your copy the so what test? That's what I like to call it. So when you're every piece of your copy, every sentence of your copy, every articulation of your offer, ask yourself, so what? And if you can answer that question, maybe two or three times and you get to the real bottom of it and that doesn't match what you got going on there, then you need to revamp it. You know, your pricing model, you want to make sure it's competitive and you also want to make sure it's profitable, right? And I know, especially in the coaching world, everything is about mindset and all those really lovely things and following your intuition, but profitability and cost analysis is really a thing. And you want to make sure that you're covering your expenses. You want to make sure if you can, you're paying yourself a little something. You want to make sure it also helps to have goals. So if you have a goal that you're trying to meet, your pricing model should take you there. Maybe not in this launch, but maybe the next launch, right? You have a really robust marketing plan, your operational capacity. We talked about that. That was number five. You have planned adequately for the operational demands of delivering your service, including is it PDFs? Is it videos? Do you need some staffing? Are you now thinking about having co-coaches or, you know, what can you do to make this experience not only better for the people who are going to receive it, but the people who are delivering it? And if it's just you right now, you really want to give yourself the space 
to iterate and to think and not have to be so reactionary. You want to be as proactive as possible. And that's what having an operation plan helps with. There's also fun legal and risk stuff, but I think this is a great place to end. Oh yeah. And our customer service plan. So you've developed a comprehensive way to address customer inquiries and promptly and effectively. So maybe there's an inbox just for that. Or someone's compiling all the FAQs that people have. They're great for your sales pages, but they're also great for having someone answer on your behalf or creating a bot to answer on your behalf. Are people, are you telling, are people coming from all different places to figure out how to get information? Then that means we haven't been really communicative about where to go when you need support with this. Where do you need to support if you with billing? Where do you need to go for support for one-on-one coaching? Where do you need to go for support for curriculum? Where do you need to go for, you know, all those fun things that people usually complain most about, right? It's usually not the curriculum and it's usually not the coach. You're an excellent coach. And it's really those things that really turn people off. So making sure you have that working for you. Okay. So that was really long-winded. So I'll spare you this, but knowing your score, right? Knowing where you fall, knowing where you land. And of course, when you sign up for my weekly series, you can take this quiz again and kind of like sit with it for a little longer. You can take it as many times as you want for every offer. But the point I'm trying to make here is that if you're scoring a little low, then we need to work about, we need to work on getting ready. Our foundation needs to be a little better. And it's really just as easy as making sure we have a welcome series that makes sense for our offers. We're offering those things, right? If you don't want to live launch for the rest of your life, you do want to make sure you're creating those breadcrumbs. So if you went a little on the lower numbers, then it means we need to get our foundation ready. Like we need to make sure our website makes sense. And it doesn't have to be complicated. It could be a one-page website, but that you're clearly saying like, who's this for? What the offer or offer is? What is your offer promise? And being a little bit more strategic about what you're saying there, right? So you're not like giving fluff things like confidence or whatever. What are actually some tangible results? That is really your offer promise. Have you in the past been able to help people get five job offers in 30 days? Or as opposed to like boost your confidence interviewing, right? Like it's really clear like what it is you're offering on your website, who you are as a person and really talking about what would matter to the person who's reading it. What do they want to know about you? Do they want to know about your experience? They want to know that you've gone through this yourself before. Do they want to know some of the results you've gotten? Do they want to know what TV you watch? Is it more like personality or that you understand their experience, right? You come from a background that they come from, whether that is another job, whether that's a different culture, whether that's a certain experience that they've walked in in life, right? That's what people really want to know when, when they're learning about you, right? Making sure those things make sense, that you have an angle, that you have a stance, right? What I like to call what you stand, what you stand for and what you can't stand, right? Like that's really clear in your messaging because that's really what attracts people. And then that's shining through in your welcome series that whatever you have on your sales page and your website and in your podcast or wherever you create your content is being repurposed on Instagram and LinkedIn and in the places you need to be so that when you're already testing the launch messaging 365 days a year, then what we do is we go And we grab those messaging that we know works and we plug it in to the launch assets that we're going to use, right? We plug it into the topics we're going to base our webinars on. We're constantly in giving people ways to engage with us and give us feedback in real time 
so that when it comes to launching, it's this time of year. We know how people are feeling. We know what people are doing. This is how my client moves leading up to this launch and after it. Then we know what to say and when to say it. And I know it feels a little technical and it feels like not exciting. I was just going for it. But after a few times of just going for it and not having a clear plan, launching will feel like ugh. you will have launch burnout. You won't ever want to launch again. You will have PTSD about launching, right? So these are just some of the nerdier things that I just feel like no one ever talks about. It's always about like just going for it. And I agree. You still have to test. You still have to be brave. And all your data can point to all this and there could still be something. But at least you know what to tweak. At least you know what works. At least you know what doesn't work. But if you're at no point, you know, keeping tabs on these things and doing things consistently enough to know if it's working, then it'll feel like nothing's ever working and it'll never feel fun. Right. I hope that helps. And thanks for listening. Hi, folks. Before we hear from Anne-Marie, please go and download your companion What to Do Instead magazine right now. You can do that at dallastravers.com forward slash WTDI. Now, this is crucial for three reasons. Number one, every guest in our special series will share a free resource with you that's available inside of the magazine. Number two, I will personally donate $1 for every new subscriber who opts into the magazine, and that dollar goes to the AFIA Center, which pioneers reproductive justice in North Texas, and they've been doing it now for more than 15 years. Number three, we've actually turned every guest interview into an article, and this is designed to help you take what you're learning here much further. So What to Do Instead is all about helping you do business differently, and the magazine is your tool to make that happen. So please do yourself, do your business, and do the AFIA Center a favor right now by downloading the companion What to Do Instead magazine. You can do that at dallastravers.com forward slash WTD. My name is Anne-Marie Rose, and I'm an online business strategist who helps experienced coaches, consultants, and service providers to navigate scaling mode with ease, intention, and alignment so that they can double or even triple their impact and income without overwhelm, chaos, burnout, or backsliding. And one of the ways I love, love, love doing this is by helping them to scale their sales system using high-impact workshops. Hence, one of the mm, semi-outdated practices I think coaches should consider ditching is selling from your traditional webinar that's very pitch-focused and less focused on providing real, tangible, actionable value. Let me share why we should consider letting this practice go or this strategy go. So webinars, in their traditional sense, tend to be about 50, 60, or even 70% pitch-focused and about 30-ish percent value-focused, meaning you're sharing some information and some insights that are helpful to people, but most of it is all centered around moving people towards the pitch or communicating the pitch itself for whatever the offer may be. And the reality is that only contributes to a lengthier sales process, or you may even lose people in this experience because it's not the most effective way to quickly build trust with people. People are savvier buyers these days, and it's not that we need to be better at pulling one over on them. In fact, I believe it's all the more reason we should be pulling back the curtain, giving people really 
thoughtful, intentional experiences that build trust simply by nature because they're experiencing the value before they've ever made that deeper investment in the work that they'd be doing. It's not that webinars can't ever be utilized. I just don't believe and haven't seen with my work and with my clients that they're the most effective component to anchor a sales strategy. Before we dive into the step-by-step of what I think you should do instead, let's just chat about the concept here, which is the concept of a high-impact workshop. This is a really cost-effective, intentional, and trust-building approach to reach more of the right clients and to really double your revenue in half the time because these workshops are so effective and intentional. We're basically just flipping the formatting of how we structure a defined training experience with someone to provide more value, deepen trust, and open people up even more to the possibility of what they can do when they decide to work with you. So let's dive into talking about what exactly is involved with a workshop versus a webinar and how can you get started deciding what your workshop should be centered around. So first, let's talk the difference between workshops versus the old school strategy, which is webinars. So I see workshops as much more value-driven and outcome-oriented. So people are coming in, they're receiving a ton of value, probably some exercises that they're completing throughout the experience, and there's an outcome that they'll experience and receive even if they don't decide to take things a step further and work with you. Now, we've all been to those more traditional style webinars where we might leave with some interesting insights, but we're not really getting anything done per se, or there's not necessarily a clear takeaway that's super tangible other than some nice knowledge. And that's where workshops differ, is we want people to leave having gotten something done that's helpful for them, even if it's just having gained some very good clarity and specific direction around a problem they're experiencing. They're also low cost. So this is a great way where you can show up and share your magic. You don't have to put a ton of fancy bells and whistles into hosting an effective workshop. You can simply do it on Zoom, have some great interactive moments. It's great. I've done uh, very in-depth workshop experiences that are about four hours and we do breakout rooms. It's just a low cost way for you to show up, especially for coaches and have people have that engaging experience with you. So I recommend keeping them interactive and very activating. So giving people that space to receive direct support from you to even support each other and to really leave with having themselves being activated to move in a specific direction. The other beautiful thing is that you can run these anytime and you can do it in a way that really works for you. So they can be as interactive as you'd like them to be. They, you can use slides. You could not use slides. There's really the sky's the limit and you can customize it to how you prefer to show up and share your material with clients or with potential clients rather. How do we begin deciding what to even host a workshop around? First, we start by setting a main intention for hosting your workshop. So what do you want to accomplish through this? My guess is you have an offer that you'd like to be selling more of. So you might want to set the intention to call in, say, six right fit clients for your group coaching program. That might be an intention for you. Maybe you want to add a low ticket revenue stream to your your business. Workshops can be a fantastic way to do that as well. I typically, in most cases, recommend charging something for a workshop. You might be wondering, what price point should I charge for mine? Very much depends on your business, your audience. But usually for myself and most of my clients, somewhere between a $27 and a $200 price point is ideal for your workshop. And of course, you can offer early bird discounts and things like that to make it even more appealing to sign up. And of course, so intention for hosting the workshop, you want to set that and then of course, determine what you want to sell through your workshop itself. 
A few other decisions that you want to make would be to determine what workshop format you want to leverage. What workshop format? There's a few different ones that I've defined out. And you don't need to think too hard about this because I actually have a free resource that you can use called the Workshop Game Plan Generator. Just go to myworkshopgameplan.com, answer 10 questions, and I will recommend a workshop format specifically for you based on your business goals, your personal preferences, all that good stuff that you'll answer through that experience. And then your workshop topic. This is the subject matter or the promise of your overall workshop. How do you go about deciding on what this should be? Well, you want to think about what your audience, what your ideal client needs to know, have, do, be, or understand before they're ready to work with you. And then that's a really good clue as to what kind of workshop topic you should lean into. So I'm going to give you a simple prompt that you can complete to start to get your wheels turning about the right workshop topic. But I would also recommend going and polling your people, people who've maybe been on the fence about working with you. Maybe they're even a new client. Sometimes if you go and ask ideal clients the questions about what they'd like to see a workshop around, they may be too ingrained in what you already do to give a really effective answer that would call in new clients. So I'm going to give you a little prompt that can get your wheels turning about topics and also maybe get your wheels turning about what you could go ask your existing audience so that they can give you some some topic ideas. Fill in the blanks here. If my ideal client understood that blank is the root of their current struggle with blank, they'd feel better and be more open to the right solutions for them. So perhaps if my ideal client understood that their communication challenges are the root of their current struggle to retain team members, they'd feel better and be more open to the right solutions. I just filled some a blank in there. So you could host a workshop on effective communication to retain a team that can scale with you, for example. Or even, you know, you could even call it something like one simple strategy, you know, two simple shifts to retain your team members through scaling mode. If they, if you know your your audience has a resistance to the idea of communication, for example, but that's just again a for example to show you how you might fill in that blank to bubble up to get some ideas, and then you introduce them to the idea that communication challenges are the thing that's holding them back a bit. And then, what else do we need to decide to start to move forward with your workshop? Well, that's your workshop content. So, what do you want to cover during this workshop? We don't have enough time in this conversation right now to dive super deep into every component of the workshop topic and and lay it all out for you. But you basically want to move through it in this fashion. And I, I use something called the craft framework. So first is the C being connect, giving it yourself some time to engage with, with your people, let them know they're in the right place. Then you're going to move into reflection mode, help them normalize the problems they've been experiencing in relation to why they showed up to experience your workshop. Then you've got your ahas. This is the meat or the veggies of the experience. This is where you're really diving in deep, giving them key insights. There's you're going to show them how they're going to apply those things in the real world and share some examples. There should be a lot of interaction here as well. Then you're moving into full transformation. So this is a good place for the pitch to land. You might show them what's beyond what you addressed with them in the workshop overall. And then finally, tangible takeaways. I'm a big fan of giving people a few action items to move away from the experience with. This is where you let them know what now. I really like to think of it our workshop's purpose is to give people a 5 to 15% shift around the problem that they've been experiencing. And often this comes in the form of giving them greater clarity and very specific direction to create further resolution. 
Now let's talk about what's possible when you actually take those steps, which I'll recap for you to complete your high impact workshop experience. So as a reminder, you want to determine that intention for your workshop. What do you want to sell through it? You want to determine your workshop format. And remember, I gave you that resource that you can go use to uncover your right fit workshop format, then decide on a workshop topic, and then go ahead and map out that workshop content itself using the craft framework that I just shared. When you do this, What's possible for you is that you can bring to life a really, really effective and scalable sales strategy in just a matter of moments. And it can be so effective. You, It's possible that you could experience some results like my client Chelsea just did, where we mapped out her workshop about maybe a week and a half ago at the time I'm recording this. And she just put it out to her audience to a select group of individuals. And she already has a sales call booked on her calendar for the offer she's planning to sell through the workshop. So People have, are not only jumping to sign up for the workshop, they're also jumping for her offer because she's now on their radar. So it's really simple. And again, she pulled this together in a matter of less than a week. And she's going to be hosting it, I believe, next week at the time I'm recording this. So it's something that is simple. And it also, like I said, it activates people. Creating these types of transformative, outcome-oriented experiences as opposed to just a really glorified pitch it does activate people. Your energy as you're putting it out there is value-driven and people can sense that and they get excited for it. So if you take nothing else away from this episode, I would say it's something that was a massive takeaway for me from my journalism degree, which I don't call on all that often. And that is the idea of showing rather than telling. People are busy. They have a lot going on and we don't have time necessarily, nor the attention spans anymore to sit and read through you telling us how you're going to help us transform our lives, our businesses, our marriages, whatever it is you coach around. So if you can call people into a space where you can actively show them how that happens, you can actually give them an experience where you're giving them a mini transformation moment, they're going to be that much more likely to want what it is you have to offer. So even if you're listening to this and workshops maybe aren't the right fit for you, start to ask yourself, how can I show rather than tell to call in more of my dreamy right fit client. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you're new to Coaches on a Mission, please take a moment to like, subscribe, follow, do all the things so that you don't miss another episode. This small act of support actually helps us get this important what to do instead message into more earbuds of values-driven coaches just like you. So speaking of that, if you know a values-driven coach who could benefit from this episode, this show, or definitely this series, please share this episode episode with them now. And don't forget to download your companion What to Do Instead magazine now at dallastravers.com slash WTDI. We will see you soon for another excellent episode.